Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I love not typing. Not messing my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series. Or back in uh, the day when this episode that we're going to talk about was airing, it was uh, CBS's Supergirl TV series. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired on the Supergirl Radio Facebook page and the DC TV podcast YouTube channel to go back in time. We're going to do a little time travel and the reason for that is because Morgan here didn't review uh, Supergirl episodes as a full-time co-host of Supergirl Radio until World's Finest, which is towards the end of season one and which aired on uh, which aired in March of 2016. So quite a long time ago. So we're going to revisit this and see uh, if our memories uh, serve us correctly and uh, what we think about season one now. Uh, so we're going to just revisit uh, the first season to get Morgan's thoughts and uh, see if uh, anything has changed or maybe uh, maybe we're discovering new things as we as we go along. So we'll we'll get into that. Um, but before we actually get into talking about the episode, we need to get to the news. According to Screen Rant, who which was written by our own Andy Bebak of the Flash podcast, a Supergirl season seven without Melissa Benoist. <laughs> <laughs> Just reading what's here. <laughs> was apparently pitched by the showrunners, but ultimately rejected by the CW. Uh, this past weekend, that was May 7th and 8th, uh, multiple Supergirl cast members attended the UK convention The Ultimates, which included panels with the actors who reflected upon their time on Supergirl. Jesse Rath, who portrayed Brainiac 5, shared some intriguing details about the show and a Supergirl season season 7 that almost happened. An attending fan at Welsh Dragon U shared that Rath stated during the panel that Jessica Queller and Robert Rovner initially pitched the CW on Supergirl Season 7 without Benoist. In the end, the the network rejected the pitch and Supergirl Season 6 became the show's final year. So they were going to do Supergirl without Supergirl. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on that, Morgan? It's just so crazy. Um, but not unexpected, right? Like it was practically already Supergirl without Supergirl in season six. Uh, I saw some of those tweets come through and, and, uh, the, uh, 
uh, the gay gals from Gay Gals Watch was uh, <laughs> were were directing me to some of those tweets because I hadn't actually seen them. They were like, "Did you see this thing?" And, and I was and like, you sent, "And you sent some of those tweets my way." <laughs> yeah, and then I sent. It was just a chain of all of us like alerting <laughs> each other in anger about what was happening. Uh, but I also saw that um, in that convention, I believe they said that the original idea was to do a short season six and like a short season seven. And then they were all just so tired. They were just like, nah, let's just do it all in one. Let's just go in one. Uh, And they decided to do one whole continuous season, which also kind of makes sense because I remember that there was right after the show wrapped, there was an interview or a podcast with uh, one of the, the writers. And he talked about, oh, yeah, well, we had to scrap the plan for season six like three times. And that does make sense now that it's one of if, – well, I mean, it made a lot of sense. I went, oh, yeah, no, I, I could that, tell. Yeah. Uh, but it does make sense if one of those ideas was like, okay, we'll have a short season six, and then we'll have like a short season seven like in a year or so. And then they were like, no, 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 we're going to do it all in one. They had to like – throw out probably what they had for that short season six and then like go back to the drawing board. But yeah, some interesting stuff came out of that, uh, that convention. I don't know how many of the tweets you saw, but I saw some tweets about the, uh, the missing, uh, Alex tells Kelly scene. Oh, I did. I did miss that one. What did, what did it say? I just, I think it was just, and I don't want to like quote it wrong. I, I would have to look it up, but I think it was something about like that the actors were also unhappy that the, there was well, no scene for that. <laughs> like Kyler and, and, and Ozzy were like, really? Nothing? So they, at least somebody on there was aware that that should have been a scene we saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did seem like a lot of the things that were coming out were about how uh burnt out they were in terms of the the cast members and um having to work essentially for an entire year with no time off which Mm -hmm. seems crazy that doesn't seem like aren't there like union rules or something guild rules against something and there have to be i mean especially because they do uh and for melissa in particular like long long days sometimes like you know 12 or or more hour days and so like that pace i don't think you could keep up for an entire calendar year without pause yeah it seems like a mistake <laughs> i'm gonna give some grace to jessica queller and robert rovner even though that uh that pains my heart to say that i i think what they maybe did was that they were trying to find a way to continue the show even if the lead actress didn't want to do it anymore. Now, the reasonable thing to get out of that would be just in the show. If you're not going to have the lead anymore, whose name is on the title, just in the show. That I think this is a good example of sometimes I, I don't like when uh, executives get involved in storytelling or something like this. But this is a good example when there's good constructive feedback that (laughs) happens that actually is a good wise decision where the network executive said no we're not doing that i think they probably just want and i can't fault the executive producers for doing this because it would have given them a job for at least another year so they were probably trying to find a way to keep going in their current situation so i understand that from a job perspective from a storytelling and show running perspective, 
it would have been the uh, entirely wrong choice. I don't care what they would have done. I've heard rumors about what, you know, would have been the continuation of the show without Supergirl. I don't know how much of any of that is true, but um, so I'm not going like, to mention it because I can't verify um, anything. But what uh, would the conception of Supergirl without Supergirl be? I remember, and this has taken it way back to the days of the WB, uh, <laughs> and then what would become, I guess, the CW or. Yeah, I think it was the CW when Buffy like went over to I think maybe Buffy went over to UPN. But uh Sarah Michelle Geller was like, "Okay, I'm 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 kind of done with Buffy." And I I do think that there was some idea of like, what if we continued it on without her? It's like the show is called Buffy, Buffy the Members. How do you what are Would you You just call it Vamp- Vampire Slayers? I don't, I don't just <laughs> take her just, name out of the They show. just take the Buffy out but they leave the Vampire Slayer. So <laughs> Just a singular one. They, but, uh, they don't have to redo the logo that much. Yeah, they just, they just, they the just swipe part. out the name. But like super, like you can't have Supergirl without Supergirl. There's like a couple of shows where like the title characters in the in the title of the show, and it's like, what are you gonna do if they don't want to do it anymore? You just have to shut it down. <laughs> I think the idea, no matter what they would have done, and this is a question people are asking in in the chat, what would the show even be called for season seven? I think it sounds like they were just still going to call it Supergirl, but probably use other cast members to be the leads instead, which is an insane proposition. Even yeah. if you were trying to keep your job, that doesn't make any like, sense. It feels like the better the better option would have been to like, try to pitch a spinoff yes with like a character from supergirl so you try to pitch the dreamer spinoff or the the sentinel spinoff or the space dad spinoff he's finally gonna find mcgann in that painting <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would make such a great show like right. his search for mcgann like where is she what is she doing <laughs> I would watch that show. he's like i was told in the future that we have a child but how can we if i never find her <laughs> That would be such a good right? show. That's a good pilot. I I would watch Space Dad dot dot searching for McGann <laughs> for at least a season. Like they, I don't. It uh, if they that's the route that they wanted to go. That there really were ways that they could have started to set up a spinoff or like pitch a spinoff to the network instead of like it'll be called Supergirl. But imagine it, she's not in it at all. <laughs> and the, um, if I was the executive, I'd be like. Nice pitch. That's a hard no. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's incredibly disrespectful. I, 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 there's, there's an element to this where I have some grace, where I understand they wanted to keep their jobs, but mostly it's very disrespectful. And it seems like that that was uh, just something that came out of season six altogether. I, even season five, I would say it, it seemed. It seemed to me towards the end of the series, they did not care about Supergirl as a character. And uh, this just, I hate to say, did not prove me wrong on that front. Uh, It seems to (laughs) solidify and confirm my uh, opinion that they did not care much for the character of Supergirl. So I feel like when I sent you that tweet, uh, like that tweet about this, I just like followed up with just like, LOL. (laughs) Like, of course, of course, that's what they would have done. Uh, I think you can. Yeah, I think to to your point, you can make some you can give them some grace on season six because there was a lot that they were dealing with 
uh, with the COVID restrictions and with Melissa and her pregnancy and trying to film around that and apparently <laughs> uh, creating a, a season and then recreating a season <laughs> that was longer. And so there's a lot going into season six. You don't have those same explanations for season five. If you can explain season five to me, uh, like, <laughs> like I can give you season six. Yeah, a lot happened in season six. Fine. They're not all going to be winners. Explain the previous one, though. <laughs> <laughs> there was no uh, worldwide pandemic then. No, they had all the time in the world. Except and it was for still about ending. technology. So <laughs> those were all decisions you could have made differently. Yeah, yeah. You made those way in advance with plenty of time. <laughs> and your lead actress was there and you just ignored her mostly. So <laughs> there is a question from the chat from uh, CM Gutierrez 74. Uh, was it explained if the concept for the modified truncated season six and season seven was to accommodate Melissa's pregnancy? Did the COVID lockdowns throw a wrench into it? Um I can't remember exactly. So again, like Morgan, I don't want to misquote anybody. Um, I did link the uh, tweet thread um, to these uh, to these tweets from the convention in the video description below the live stream. So you can go check that out and read them for yourself. You may be able to read them and then come back and report <laughs> report back because <laughs> uh, it was a lot of information. I focus in on this one bit because it was so important and so monumentally uh mind-blowing that I thought maybe we could just focus on this one. Um, but I think there was a lot to it. Um, a lot of the the tweet threads that I was looking at said that Melissa was just really tired. She was just yeah. really like having a hard time. She didn't really want to do the show anymore because she just, a lot of things were going on. She became a new mom. So uh, a, a lot of that I think was mixed in with uh, Melissa sort of wanting to, uh, end the show and end it in a way that uh, was uh, done well, or at least attempted to do well, and uh, <laughs> and uh, allow her to be a new mom. And of course, COVID messed everything up. I, th I think that's probably why they were so in such weird schedules and um, uh, things were so chaotic. I think probably in season six because all the all the productions had weird rules about covid restrictions and regulations so i think it was probably a mix of both but definitely uh click on the links in the video description if you're watching the live stream and the audio show notes uh if you're listening the old-fashioned way to the audio <laughs> podcast uh we'll link them there as honestly well, so you can i hope for yourself i hope that the cast never stops going to conventions and and saying <laughs> and just kind of giving us little insights into what was and what might have been. Yes, I love please it. spill the tea. Just keep, just keep going to those conventions, okay, guys? Uh, yeah, I saw so many things from the the come out of that convention where I was like, I love conventions. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's so funny. Just a little inside baseball. I went to. Um, the Huntsville uh, Comics and Expo. I always get the name. It's so the name of the convention is so long, and I always mix it up. But it's a Huntsville Expo comic convention thing. And uh, Jesse Graff, who was a stunt woman in season one and season two of Supergirl, was there. And I asked her if it would be okay if I interviewed her, and she was hesitant because she said, "I." Uh, and this is understandable, but she said, um, uh, "I don't. I don't know if they'll allow me to say anything." And uh, now, now that we've seen what's come out of this uh, Ultimates convention, it seems as if they don't really care. So, uh, 
So <laughs> some people are obviously allowed to say whatever they want. So, I know. <laughs> uh, so it sounds it sounds like they are able to speak now on some of these things and speak very bluntly and honestly. Um, so I I just I hope for more conventions just so that we'll get more information about why things are the way that they are in season six. That would be uh, really good to know. Yeah, I feel like to me it, it it explained why season six felt like it was very all over the place. If they had to like, there's just a lot happen happening. I don't I don't think it's a like a, a complete hand wave explanation for why that season was the way it was. But I do feel like it kind of to me made it make a little bit more sense because we were talking previous to that like oh they had so much time they had so much time but like if you think about maybe they had to scrap plans a couple of times and and you know they had to deal with writing out their main character for a while and then writing her back in like it does give me a little bit of of grace for them. That, like, no okay. excuses. No yeah, excuse. Uh, there's no excuse for pitching a Supergirl without <laughs> super. Like, just go with dignity, you guys. Oh, my okay. God. Well, there's a question uh, from Aaron in the live chat. Uh, could they have meant that they would recast Carr for the hypothetical season seven? Oh, that would be even worse to recast Supergirl. Oh, my gosh. That would, would be terrible. They would never have heard the end of it. Um, it's one thing to do it on, uh, say, Batwoman, where it was still pretty new and it hadn't really gone on for very long and they could get away with introducing a new character and then recasting the old character uh, because the uh, the original actress didn't want to be on it anymore. That's That's a different thing. But to recast Supergirl six seasons deep... Uh, and she was absolutely no. perfect. Not uh, the main that, character. It's, that, it's, that would be that would be really difficult. Like a side character, you can recast like a side character, and people will be like, "I get it, I get it." Yeah. It, the main character, I don't think you can get away with that, especially so beloved, like such great, perfect casting. Like who who were they gonna? Who would who would that have been fair to? What actress would that have been fair to? To be like, this <laughs> oh, is your yeah. new Supergirl. It's like I hate her. <laughs> even if she was great she even would if she get was great i'd be like i'd be like she crap. did a great job in that episode no melissa though <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was interesting news that came out of uh this past weekend's uh convention i believe in the uk uh so uh thank you to all the people who were asking the real important questions at that convention and getting some real honest uh answers uh, that we could all at least know the truth about uh so uh <laughs> that was uh uh frustrating but good to know i guess all right so i guess uh since we're talking about uh the, the recent past i guess we should <laughs> go back even further into the past um so let's take a rewind back to season one and talk about fight or flight <laughs> now that we've time traveled we've gone back <laughs> in the past we've <laughs> we've uh we've gone back to the uh, the year of our Lord 2015. Uh, so here is the official description of Fight or Flight. Quote, Supergirl's powers are tested when Reactron, one of Superman's formidable enemy enemies, a formidable enemy, mm, that is really hard. Try to say that. Formidable, formidable enemies. Formidable enemies. Oh my God. How is it that I can say something that you can't say? <laughs> this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for me. <laughs> uh, St. Carmina Burana. Uh, you know I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Formidable enemies. 
arrives in National City and targets the young hero. Also, Kat plans to run an expose on Supergirl, unquote. Uh, I think Veronica, early season Veronica, really downplayed that Kat Grant portion. (laughs) She was just, like Supergirl, Veronica was just starting to hit her groove. She was just, (laughs) she was learning what she could and couldn't do. She's like, oh, I haven't thrown in a scene that they'll never see yet. (laughs) (laughs) Just getting her feet wet, Veronica. All right, well, uh, Morgan, um, since this is, this is really all about uh, your thoughts, I think, personally, uh, to, to get your thoughts on season one. So are there any aspects of fight or flight that you would like to start uh, talking about? Um, That's a good question. I thought this one, this one was interesting. It's, it's more about Kara, you know, learning how to superhero and learning how to stand on her own. And it feels like this early on in the show, like the first episode was really about her her story and and the second episode was about like the idea that she could make mistakes and learn from them and this episode is about like hey you guys heard of superman (laughs) (laughs) we don't need to talk about him uh this was the we don't talk about superman episode (laughs) (laughs) to give a topical encanto reference uh, for all of our youths listening it's but it's gonna um, age really well it's gonna be great I, I can't wait to listen to this podcast in a few years but uh <laughs> but no I, I feel like this is like the first and this happens a couple times in season one where they're like they can't really use superman yet um but they don't want to give him up yet. So they're like, they're like, but everybody loves Superman. So here is just sort of a fuzzy bit of his cape. Uh, he saved her. And then I think this was like the first time that they had her and, and Clark like IMing in the middle of the day uh, to chat. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of like, how can we imply the presence of Superman without the actuality of casting or having a Superman in this show. Um, So I think a lot of this was about like kind of Kara coming out of Superman's shadow. And obviously she's a new superhero and she's kind of just learning the ropes and Superman's been around a while. And she's still kind of, she's still kind of fighting uh, villains that like Superman has heard of or fought before uh but i think that they gave her this like sort of that sort of nice uh that nice moment where she beats reactron and clark is like i couldn't do that good job (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was a a really nice scene even though uh they don't actually speak to one another uh it is a very emotional scene as uh, even for me as i was re-watching it just seeing seeing the im chats come in and you're reading it's like oh that's really sweet um and now now it sort of makes me laugh about im because i am were we using I am? I'm trying to think. Were we using I am in 2015? I feel like I, maybe I w- was, but maybe I was using it like earlier than that. Yeah, I, I'm wondering like what what exact uh, she was like talking to him on. In my mind, I guess it was like a G chat. Yeah, I mean, it was essentially just like some sort of... Nowadays, I think it would be a Facebook Messenger. Yeah, like Facebook Messenger. Would they be Facebook friends? She's she's in his Twitter DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Would would Clark and Kara be like uh, associated on Facebook? Would that give away their secret identity? (laughs) Well, no one knows either of them are their respective secret identities. So they could be like, Kara is a cousin of Clark. 
Well, I hope <laughs> she doesn't say that he's a cousin because in this episode, that's a big reveal. That <laughs> Supergirl gives away that she's Superman's cousin. I love like after she does that when uh, Kara and uh, and and Cat Grant are talking about it, and she's like, "Maybe Supergirl said that by accident." Like Kara. <laughs> Cannot be any more transparent that he is Supergirl in this show. It's insane. She's just like, I don't, I don't want to speak for Supergirl. I don't really know anything about her. But that, that's probably that cousin thing. I feel like she said that by accident in like the heat of the moment up on that hilltop that she took you to that you told me about definitely a moment ago. <laughs> like she's just such a bad liar, especially to Cat. It's so funny. So that leads me to the question that I wanted to pose to you last time. Uh, but I think maybe it was too early in our rewind to ask you about it. But do you think in this episode that Kat maybe knows that Kara is Supergirl? Oh, that's such a good question. I feel like, mm, I don't think so. I don't think she does yet. But I feel like if this episode isn't the beginning of her going, huh. <laughs> uh, I don't know what is like car just walks in. She's like, this article you wrote about Supergirl is trash. <laughs> that is not what Supergirl meant when she said that thing to you in your very private conversation. <laughs> How do you even know Supergirl is a millennial? And she's like, Cat <laughs> Grant's like, you're a millennial. She's like, I don't know how that those two things go together. <laughs> but Maybe just maybe Supergirl's really old, cat. <laughs> well, actually, didn't didn't we look it up one time on uh like if you go to the Cara Danvers uh Arrowverse Wikipedia page, it says she was like born in like 1966, but because <laughs> because she got stuck in the phantom zone, that's she's true. so much younger. So she really technically isn't a millennial. She's like she's like, what if Supergirl is a boomer in just like kind of a young body, cat? <laughs> what if what if you guys are contemporaries? <laughs> what if Supergirl's really into the Beatles? You don't know. You don't know anything about her. <laughs> I just I thought that scene was so funny where she's like reading portions and going, isn't that a little harsh? I'm not Supergirl. Of course. Of course I'm not. I look sure. like her, but I'm not her. Definitely. But if I was her. And I was speaking to you, hypothetically, what I said, what she said, sorry, what she said, <laughs> didn't mean. It's like so, she's so, again, she's so obvious that she's Supergirl. She's like, Supergirl didn't mean that. And then it's like, how, well, how do you know what Supergirl meant in this private conversation? Um, nothing. <laughs> so here is my rebuttal to that, because I think this is the episode when Kat figures it out because nice. the first thing that cat says uh so the the uh episode opens up with the supergirl uh cat grant interview and cat gets out of the car and she looks up at supergirl and she sort of chuckles to herself and she says it's you and ah. that makes me think that she recognized her as Kara. that she that she was like oh two and two together got it so I think she's just kind of playing along for the rest of the time. But I don't know that the the way that Callista plays it in that scene uh, causes me to suspect that she probably because we know. Well, I guess maybe. Well, I don't guess we should uh, pretend like we haven't seen these episodes before. 
I was going to say maybe we shouldn't spoil it uh, for, uh, I guess it would be six episodes uh, from now when Cat Grant is going to reveal that she does know uh, that Kara is Supergirl. And then Supergirl, of course, uh, irritatingly uh, tricks her out of that knowledge. <laughs> or, or so we think. I don't know. There's a lot of confusion about when Cat knew things and when she didn't. Uh, but I think it was uh, this episode, episode three, that uh, allowed her to uh, get that information. So I don't know. Go back and rewatch that scene. I like it. And see. see what. So that's just my suspicion. That's uh, Nobody can talk me out of it because I'm very, <laughs> very convinced that is I, the moment. I buy it because I feel like maybe that was the scene where she had like a suspicion and then the rest of this episode would have really confirmed it. <laughs> yeah. I think she's just messing with Kara. Honestly, <laughs> she's just trying to get her to confess. Every time she walked into the, into the office and was like, you're being awfully mean to me. Supergirl. <laughs> Not me, but Supergirl who I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I see that CM Gutierrez uh, in the chat says Clark is a Gen Xer and technically Kara is too. So, I mean, Cat uh, Grant is way off in her criticism. Yeah, Kara uh, is much older than she looks <laughs> for sure. Um, so, yeah, so that's a, a part of the Cat Grant Kara uh, Danvers relationship that I'm trying to keep my eye on is. Uh, what's what's going on there? Does she know? Does she not know? I think she knows by episode three. It's beginning with the interview. Uh, but I would uh, be welcomed. Uh, yeah, I welcome you to share your thoughts if you disagree. Um, I also, uh, in in keeping to the the um, opportunity to track the Kara Kara Kira of it all, this episode <laughs> does have Cat uh, say Kara again. So she hasn't gotten yeah. to Kira yet. So uh, I don't know when that's going to kick in, uh, but at some point it does. But uh, this uh, it was not this episode. She's still saying Kara. She's still kind of going back and forth between a couple of different pronunciations. She's still workshopping <laughs> what wrong name she's decided to call Kara. <laughs> All right. So uh, what else did you want to talk about in this episode? Oh, well, this episode was the first time that, like, Maxwell Lord was more a part of the episode. He showed up for a second in uh, episode two, but he's actually a character in this one. So, yeah, the Maxwell Lord of it all, I thought it was a, a good introduction to his character. He's kind of a jerk. He has maybe some history with Cat Grant. Uh, he has that that dance scene with her. Where oh yeah, there's a little, a little electricity in that scene. Like, yeah, they're like a, <laughs> they're not really tangoing, but they are with their words. <laughs> I noticed he was wearing a uh, a purple. I, don't, I, forget, I can't think of the word that's in his um, pocket, but he matched her dress, and I thought that was interesting uh, in color. Yeah, so I think this is, but we see, we kind of also get the impression he's maybe not c completely, like, mustache-twirlingly evil, which obviously, again, we're not going to pretend like we haven't seen this whole season. Uh, he does kind of come into play a little bit in the in the finale um, on the side of the, the super friends. Um, but, yeah, he's not a great, he's not a great guy. He's just firing people because they can't make his train go faster. <laughs> no, he he fired him because he didn't know the answer. He didn't oh. he didn't know how to make the train go faster. I I don't think it was necessarily because he didn't. It's because he didn't know how. 
Max had to tell him how. He also wanted that train to be blue. <laughs> I gotta have those blue streaks. He's like, he's like in my dream, the pl- the train was blue. So <laughs> could we get this thing painted? They're like, Mr. Lord, it's like, it's happening. This train is like launching next week. And he's like, faster and blue, please. <laughs> So, seems like kind of a nightmare to work for. Uh, <laughs> well, but he did stick up for one of his employees. He did. He, he told Ben Kroll to take him instead of the employee. My favorite thing about Reactron is when he he comes into the lab and he's like, I need, what did he need? Like a nuclear physicist or something? Yeah, uh, somebody in nuclear fission. Yeah, he's like, I need somebody who knows nuclear f- fission. And like nobody, obviously nobody volunteers for that. And he's like, you guy in the lab coat. You know it. It's like, actually, <laughs> how does he know? How does he why, know that guy knows nuclear fish? Why would you assume that? <laughs> like, th- they're mostly they're mostly focused on train stuff. I don't know that that I don't know that there's a one to one sort of job comparison there. I maybe, don't know. Maybe he was going to get assigned a painting of the blue streaks. Maybe, he's like, he's like, sir, I'm I'm just an artist. <laughs> He's well, got like a he's got like a paintbrush in his hand. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he was just picking anybody just to have somebody to kidnap and hold for ransom or something. I guess that was his idea, I suppose. Um, yeah, Maxwell Lord is has a very prominent role in this episode, and he uh he's uh he's a multi-layered kind of gray character, which is interesting. Um, I wish there had been more of him with cat i guess we get a little bit uh towards the end of the season um but there's i I don't think as much as there is in this uh this episode which i thought was great i I would have liked to know more of the history between cat grant and maxwell lord uh so uh there is that so reactron um so morgan i don't know if you're aware because we haven't uh read through the sterling gates run on the podcast which we should at some point uh that i i've read them through on the podcast <laughs> but i don't know that you have i have uh, not for the podcast read, read them through so so uh so we will have to do that but reactron is a character who is uh pretty prominent in the sterling gates run and he's very famous for killing supergirl's father he's uh he Ooh. kills Zorel in the comics. No, no, um, you're not going to kill Jason Bear. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he is actually a, more so, I would say, this is just my opinion, more so a Supergirl villain than a Superman one. But they chose to make him a Superman villain here, much to my chagrin. Mm. Uh, so, uh, but what what did you think about Reactron? So that, yeah, that makes me kind of mad. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Again, because I haven't read the Sterling Gates run, but um, yeah, it's it's crazy. They have such a a rogues gallery for Superman. They could have picked an actual Superman villain who was like primarily Superman, and then given her that guy. Uh, but no, because <laughs> uh, he's very focused on Superman. He's very focused on like. I'm going to take away something that Superman loves, just like he took away my wife, who happened to be working with me at this plant when there was this terrorist attack, like back in, you know, back in Metropolis, or I guess, was that outside of National City? Superman's uh, area remember. must have been quite large before Supergirl. Uh, I think this is uh, Baker Line. 
I think that's where that happened. Are you talking about when Ben and his wife got mixed up in that nuclear? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's where he got his, like, reactron powers. Yeah, that's um, Baker Line, which they don't explain in the episode. But in DC Comics, Baker Line is one of the six boroughs of Metropolis. It's a middle-class housing community and home of the Olsen family, which I oh. wish, uh, you know, I'd been uh, maybe wrote up and a little, you know, dug into a little bit. Could you imagine, like, I don't know, <laughs> going, going back and meeting more of the Olsons and maybe we got that, like, one little flashback one time. But, yeah, maybe they had a, I don't know, maybe they had a paper route. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. If they For had flashbacks <laughs> to young James Olsen with a paper route. Yeah, what a missed opportunity. Or, or maybe that, like they they flash back and it's James and he's like, "Oh, I just gotta feed my pet turtle." <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's all I need. They, they're, those are some really easy things <laughs> that well, you could at, add it, to an episode. Well, he isn't just a little turtle boy. One <laughs> <laughs> man done. Listen, we could we could do this all day. <laughs> but um, no, I I thought like the idea. I thought the idea was was good as they were playing with this idea of her living in Superman's shadow that a Superman villain, I'm using air quotes because clearly apparently he wasn't, um, <laughs> would come after Kara after finding out that she's Superman's cousin, which is a dangerous part of blurting out that you're Superman's cousin. <laughs> but I, I also was like, he's like, I'm going to hurt Superman the way that he hurt me. And I was like, I mean... Do you know that they're close? What if it's like that cousin like you never talk to? <laughs> and he's like, oh, look at I got your cousin. He's like, ooh, is that on my mom's side or my dad's <laughs> side? Shoot. Like, uh, that would have been my, like, as Cara, I would have been like, we don't talk that much. I don't <laughs> I don't know what your plan is. It's not and that great. I might see them once at the reunion, but that's about it. I mean, we G-chat every now and then, but like <laughs> he uses too many emojis. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Grown man. Uh, no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I thought as a, as a story about getting out from Superman's shadow, I think the idea of Reactron, if not the comic book accuracy, uh, was good. The idea that she would like fight some uh, some villain that Superman had had fought previously, and 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 eventually win, which I thought was a, a really cool thing. Even though I had like multiple questions about the lead hand thing. Yes, because they said that it had to be encased in lead is the thing. And she just kind of pulled it out and then was just kind of holding it in her lead hand. Is that encased? Her hand was encased. Her hand was, but the thing wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fair point. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe holding it was encasing it. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you could maybe make that argument, I guess. Uh, yeah, I was like, is that is that encased in lead? I don't. I don't I don't know that I would have rolled the dice that way, but <laughs> it worked out for her for sure. Let's, let's see. I'm going to look up the definition just so that we're <laughs> aware in case. I mean, when she starts like melting down that like that bust, I was like, and she's going to like bring it with her to like shove shove the reactron thing into or nope, just hands, just lead hands. So the definition of encase, just so that we're on the same page, is to enclose in or as if in a case. 
I mean, if she had done it to both hands and then she just oh yeah maybe like that, yeah that would right? maybe be encased. That's kind yeah. of encased. She's just kind of holding it. She's having a conversation with Jimmy while she's got the thing. She just well, got the thing like this, like a baseball. Is, <laughs> the hand is kind of a case. Like it's okay. I okay. It's, it's I can, co- covering I, it. I mean, I think I it's pretty weak. It. I think it's weak. But you can make an argument that that's encasing it. I feel like every episode there's going to be one um, useless detail that I'm going to get really fixated <laughs> on. And in this one, it was that one. I was like, is that encased? I don't know. I really like the use of that, though, because it uh, shows that Supergirl's really smart. She figured out uh, she got that information from the DEO about what to do with it. And then she figured out a way to encase it yeah. and uh, make it happen. And she also... Uh, it showed how powerful and invulnerable that she is. That she uh, used her heat vision, melted that thing down, and just no fear, stuck her hand right yeah. in that fire. And then, she wasn't. Uh, she was like, "That's fine. I'm gonna. It's. I'm gonna have a lead hand. That's cool." <laughs> she had no fear. I wish we had gotten to see because at the end of the episode at the DEO, she doesn't have the land lead hand anymore. I would have wanted to see how she got that off. That's what Me I too. wish we had gotten to see, but we were not privileged. I feel like they they, uh, they left like a kind of a comedic opportunity on the on the floor where <laughs> she goes back to the DEO and she's like trying to open a bag of chips or something with her <laughs> lead hand, just smashes all the chips inside. <laughs> what do I do about this? No! <laughs> My pot stickers! <laughs> I mean, uh, Daryl suggests uh, freeze breath. Maybe she uses her super breath on there and uh, makes it cold and then smashes it. I think that's uh, possible. She does mention in her interview with Kat that she's still working on uh, the freezy breath. So I don't know if <laughs> she would have been that. able to, to use it at that point. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought the way that she handled Reactron uh, was good. And I think it tied nicely into her uh, car's relationship with James. So uh, what did yeah. you think about uh, the continuation of developing that romance? I love when... when- she's talking to Alex and, and Alex says something about you and Jimmy. And she's like, his, his, he prefers James. <laughs> it's like my, it was probably my favorite line of the whole episode. He prefers James. <laughs> He's a grown man. He's a grown man. <laughs> you can't just call him Jimmy, Alex. <laughs> well, Lucy at the end, uh, spoiler alert, Lucy Lane shows up and uh, she calls him Jimmy. I know. So are only special people allowed to I call him like, Jimmy. Metropolis like, people, maybe. <laughs> yes, I feel like J- James is like um like sometimes when when people go to college and they decide to give themselves like a new name or like a new nickname, <laughs> and they like, just trying really desperately for it to work, and they're like, no, 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 no everybody back home calls me Maverick. <laughs> no one does. No one does. Your name is Bob. Uh, and I feel like this is his version of it. He's like, I'm going to move to a new city. New city, new me. Not Jimmy anymore. James. I'm a grown man. Everyone's going to take me seriously now. <laughs> and then and then his ex-girlfriend comes back and is like, hey, Jimmy. And he's like, hey. <laughs> Immediately just like, oh, my my. Brand new James, not, not me. <laughs> Do you uh, think he was happy to see her? 
I'm just curious. What, no, what do you I think is going on there? I didn't get the impression he was happy to see Lucy at all. He was like just starting to kind of connect with Kara. There was starting to feel like there were some sparks flying in this episode. It felt like it was less one-sided that it was in like the in the first two episodes where it was like Kara has a crush on James and and James is like, "Oh, you're my my friend's little sister, aren't you cute?" And now he's like, "Oh, hey, Kara." <laughs> It's me, James. I'm a grown man. Um, and then, and then, of course, Lucy comes back, calling him Jimmy, immediately bringing him back down to earth. And he's like, uh, womp, womp. He did not seem very excited to go out to dinner with her and talk about what went wrong. I don't know. That sounds like an exciting pitch. So I don't know why he wouldn't be. <laughs> that sounds, sounds fun. Like a lot of fun. <laughs> Let's talk about all the reasons we broke up at dinner. And he's like, Great. <laughs> uh, but I do think that they did a decent job in this episode of kind of building up that tension between Kara and Jimmy and um, and also seeding in the love triangle. Uh, I guess the early season love triangle, it's not like it's a thing that lasts forever, but with Wynn having a crush on Kara and then Kara having a crush on James. And they do that pretty nicely at the, uh, the Catco party where uh, Wynn and, and Kara are having a perfectly nice time and dancing. And, and, and James comes up and he's like, Hey, can I cut in? I was going to be like, you should, they should have been like, no, that's so rude. Just wait. It's just one song. You can wait. <laughs> but they were like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Wynn was like, great great no i'm not i'm not sad about this at all yeah i actually felt bad for when even when i initially watched the uh the show's first run i always kind of felt bad for when because there was just something about the, his hurdle like he could never get over he was it seemed like he was always competing with james about james being cooler and having the cooler <laughs> stories and i always i always felt bad for when yeah, I, I will. I, I felt bad for Win in this one too because they were having like a nice time, and James just kind of very rudely uh, interrupted them. I will say one of my other favorite lines in this episode was when she's like, "Ugh, Reactron, isn't that kind of a stupid name?" And they're like, "James came up with it." And she's like, "I love it." <laughs> <laughs> like the awkwardness of her being like, "Oh, did he?" He didn't want to workshop that more. Or? I don't know. I think it's a it's a fine name. Yeah, it's it's nuclear good. reaction and things. She's like, I, I get how he got there. It's cool. <laughs> I thought that was really funny because they're like kind of playing up this this big crush that she has on him. And then and then as soon as she finds out James is the one who came up with the name, she's just like, Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> she initially thought it was pretty stupid uh so she had to uh, switch gears she had to pretty backtrack quickly. on that real fast <laughs> but in terms of the Cara james uh relationship and dynamic in this episode in fight or flight I, I thought they did a nice job there towards the end with james having to get over his fear that Cara was going to get hurt and be able to to let her you know entrust in her to save the day so i thought that was a good that was actually a pretty good storyline for James, I thought. It gave him somewhere to go as a character. It gave him um, a little bit of an arc, and it sort of tied back into his history with, with Superman. Um, so I, I, uh, I, there were numerous times in watching this episode that I was like, wow, they actually tried with James here. They actually tried to write him a story, and 
wow, there's a lot of Supergirl in this episode. There's so much Supergirl. <laughs> Imagine a show about Supergirl where so, Supergirl was the main character. <laughs> so I'm just continually surprised. Uh, even uh, when it starts off from where the episode ended, I was like, wow. that It's like it they go together, these episodes. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. Like it's just continuing the story. Uh, yeah, I, I did. I agree. I think it was a good storyline for James because I think in some ways, just like Car- it, it kind of parallels their stories because just like Kara is trying to get out from uh, from Superman's shadow. So is so is James, the grown man Olsen. He's he's so connected to to Superman and to um to his like friendship with Superman that that he's having kind of a similar issue that he's trying to learn how not to rely on Superman all the time to save the day and not immediately hit that signal watch because uh is because he's afraid that Supergirl might be in trouble and I think him at the end of the episode um doing that really heroic thing where he's like I'm friends with Superman like you should come after me and uh and she tells him oh my god you could have you could have been killed like he could have killed you and he's like no you had this and like that's the like the level of trust he now had in Supergirl yeah I think that really makes a difference uh, for Kara, uh, especially as Supergirl. So I, I think they did a really nice job, actually, with James. Uh, that's very rare on this show that they did uh, such a good job writing, writing for him. But I thought Makad did a great job in his performance of James. So I, I think the James stuff in, in this episode is actually quite quite good. Um, so th- there is a, a, a nice uh, continuing through line of their, their relationship uh, starting to build. And uh, you mentioned the parallel between um, uh, Carr and James trying to get out from uh, <laughs> both sort of trying to get out from under Superman's shadow. Um, but they also um, are starting a new parallel towards the end of the episode when they introduce Lucy Lane. And uh, Lucy says something about how Lois is her big sister. And Kara says, yeah, I've got one of those, too. Uh, so <laughs> I thought that was really cute. So um, the, the writing, I, I find in these early uh, episodes and this this first season of the show was really doing a good job in terms of writing for the characters and um, just overall just really making an effort, uh, which I don't know why that's so surprising to me, but uh, it does feel so foreign to me now uh, that writers on a TV show would uh, for Supergirl would be actually making a, an effort and tying things together and uh, writing character beats and writing character moments and giving them somewhere to grow and go as a character. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite enjoying uh, the rewatch uh, for that, for that aspect just alone. The, the writing has been uh, something that I've been kind of reflecting on as I go through these episodes. It's just how, how much it made everything made sense. Yeah. I mean, and, and to speak of the, the writing in this episode, I loved that tag scene at the end with her and Alex. It's uh, you know, we get a we get a classic couch scene. There, she's eating pot stickers or trying to decide what they're going to watch. Cars maybe had some romantic uh, complications in her life, so <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're just hanging out, and it was just such a nice sister scene. I think it really, you know, we're really early days in, into the show at this point, and it really nicely sets up what that sister dynamic looks like, and, and we have a lot of Alex supporting Cara throughout this episode as well. We have her, um, 
this was the first uh, introduction of that like empty floor that they use for the super friend yeah. hangout in this one. We have Alex in that hangout, you know, in that hangout room with Wynn and, and James and Kara trying to figure out the Reactron because she's technically not supposed to be working on this uh, because it's a human villain, not yeah. a... I wanted to ask I wanted to ask you about that because I was trying to think about how that's so inconsistent with the rest of the show. And I guess they at least they acknowledged it here that, oh, well, we're not supposed to go after him. We only go after aliens. And Carr makes the point, like, isn't this <laughs> extra normal? Does this all <laughs> Yeah, seriously. But then it got me thinking about season four when they were dealing with Agent Liberty. Could they have made that same kind of case? Like Oh, Agent Liberty is extra normal. We we need to figure him out. Because they were basically just following like a terrorist leader. It's not Yeah. It's not like he was extra normal. Yeah, he didn't have any powers or anything, did he? He was just kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. why 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 did the DO use resources to go after the children of Liberty? I guess it's because at that point, like the uh, Alex had just kind of taken over pretty thoroughly <laughs> and she was just like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm Alex. <laughs> uh, I can't. I mean, I don't really have an answer yet. It feels like there was more discussion in this first season about like, well, we just do the alien threats. Although, again, I think it could be an argument that like it's the, you know, Department of Extra, you know. Yeah, it's just not the Department of Alien yeah. operations. Extra normal could be many things. Um, I don't know that a the Agent Liberty was extra normal, though, is what I'm saying. Rachel makes a good point, which is that uh, Livewire and Psy weren't aliens, and they still dealt with them. And I, th- and I th- for Silver Banshee, I, th- I think those are all extra normal. I agree. I agree. I feel like I feel like Jean was being a little bit too much of a stickler for that because I was like, I don't. I don't know that I agree. He seems like he's got like a lot of powers. You don't want to. <laughs> he's got like a nuclear reactor. Like who's, on his who's supposed to handle that then? Like what department <laughs> handles that? Is it like you know the Department of Human People with random powers? Like <laughs> do they have one of those? I feel like it's still you guys. <laughs> yeah, that might be a little much for the National City Police Department. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just thought that was funny that the the show is making. Um, an intentional choice to lay down the groundwork for what things are and what they're supposed to be and what they aren't. So I thought that was really interesting. To, that really caught my attention. That he was like, "Oh yeah, the DEO doesn't uh, deal with that. We're we're mostly alien threats." And I was like, "Oh well, that they really throw that out the window later on." <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "Nah, we we're good." <laughs> so at least early on, the show was trying to set a standard for what everything was and how it worked in the the world of uh supergirl i think my my last interesting thing was um i remember reading somewhere that they initially they were initially planning for john to be like a villain right he He, uh initially um through the pilot he was Mm -hmm. supposed to be uh hank henshaw who would uh later become cyborg superman so he does still david harewood still got to play cyborg superman (laughs) nice uh but yeah he uh they made the decision after they watched the pilot and uh they i can't remember who it was who uh sort of uh 
noticed David Harewood's ears and uh, thought that his uh, something about his ears sort of looked a little alien. And I think they wanted to make David Harewood uh, a hero anyway. And so they were finding a reason to do that. And uh, they thought, oh, maybe we'll just make him Martian Manhunter. So I think it was in uh, sometime between after they had shot the pilot and between episode two, because in episode two, they start to tease that. They did it again in this episode Mm -hmm. as well. Okay, that makes sense, because that was going to be my question. It was basically like, when had they decided that he was going to be Martian Manhunter? And it seems like, you know, starting from episode two. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they start teasing. I think they start teasing it in episode two, and then uh, we see a little bit more. It's just small things where his eyes turn red um, in the DEO, but uh, they uh, know where they're going with him. Yeah, because in this episode, he knows that Alex is doing something she shouldn't be doing, and he's like walking along the DEO hallways, and his eyes turn red, and he goes, "Alex." Uh, <laughs> it's- <laughs> It's like Dennis the Menace's dad. He's like, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty much what happens, though. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, let's get into the live chat. Uh, Claudia asks, where does Wynn get the money to buy all the latest tech for the Super Friends meeting office? Since he's a hacker, I think he steals money from bad guys' accounts to justify the stealing. Uh, that's a good question, Morgan. What, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I love that. I love that idea. I have no idea. He does have a lot of really high tech, nice uh, gadgets in there, which I don't feel like on a media salary isn't likely or possible. And so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's like into, is he wealthy in some way? I, I sort of assume that since he is the IT guy, maybe he can just reallocate Ooh. other technology that's being used at CatCo. And he might be uh, in, I don't know how in charge he is of IT at CatCo, but maybe he could say, hey, uh, tech department people. I need three monitors and this machine and this machine and go put it in this office. Maybe he's just like <laughs> faking up setting an office for somebody. May or he's like, oh, hey, these three monitors are broken. So I'm just going to go take them and fix them. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then he, he just kind of takes the old, maybe he, maybe he takes the old, uh, like the Island of Misfit Toys. He just goes in to all the old technology. And because he's a, he's good at that stuff. Maybe he just refurbishes them and then brings them down to the, uh, the abandoned floor to, uh, to super friends it up. Yeah. I think that's, that's my explanation for it. That makes a lot of sense to me. So that's, that's, uh, my head cannon. And I see, uh, Aaron left a comment that says, I can't remember when this happens, but the DEO changed their definition of what they go after. And it even changed the Supergirl intro monologue. Oh, we need to pay attention to that. I, yeah, yeah. I, I did not notice that. Um, or at least I did not remember that, but it seems plausible given like later seasons that like their strict definition in season one was definitely not applying. Yeah, because uh, from from my memory, just trying to think about the Supergirl monologue, she always ha- says something about, and I I help my sister at the DEO or something like that. But I can't remember what else she says. So I'm going to have to go back and look at the actual wording of that. I work with my sister at the DEO. Uh, something, <laughs> something of that <laughs> Next nature. time we're going to have to pay like so close attention. I, I should have that memorized, but it does change. Think, right? <laughs> it does change over time. So um, at some point they add the word refugee in there. I, I'm a refugee uh, on this planet. No, no, you're not. You're technically not at all. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so we'll we'll have to maybe pay attention to, to that uh, as we go along through this season. I think it stays pretty consistent throughout season one. I can't remember when it does change, but we'll have to pay attention to the opening monologue. Well, Morgan, are there any other thoughts before we uh, uh, end our discussion on fight or flight? Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, I think we covered this one pretty well. I've, I liked this episode. I thought... Um, I thought this was a really fun one. I like that they got to go to a party and Cara yeah. got to dress up in a apparently bulletproof dress. I don't believe for one second that that thing is bulletproof. It looks <laughs> like it's made of silk, uh, the flimsiest fabric. Um, but like, I, I also liked the uh, the servers and the really cheesy Supergirl outfits that you can see wandering see, around. This is it. why. This is why I think the cat knows she's toying with Cara. She's <laughs> like, I'm going to invite you to this party. That's all about this the Supergirl magazine cover and all the waitresses are going to be Supergirl just to try. I think she's trying to get her to confess to Kat that she is Supergirl. <laughs> she's trying to break her spirit yes. in whatever way possible. <laughs> I think that's what she's doing and it's pretty smart. Uh, that but yeah. Kat Grant, so wily. <laughs> so so wily. Uh, but yeah, so this is a, a, a fun episode to see them get dressed up and go to a party. Uh, Kat says it's at a, she suggests that it be at a museum, but I don't know if that's a actual, well, yeah, I guess it was a museum. They had um, uh, bus on ped pedestals. So I, I guess it was a museum of some kind, maybe a museum of art. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like this episode. I think this is a, a really good one has some heartfelt moments, uh, some really good Supergirl action, a lot of flight in this one. Yeah, uh, you could really see that uh, CBS budget uh, with the flight and in, in, in some of those mo <laughs> uh, moments because it is uh, quite good. Uh, still holds up even today, uh, seven years later. So, uh, yeah, this is a pretty good episode. I uh, haven't seen uh, a bad one yet, so <laughs> we'll see uh, in strong so far. Uh, I'm sure I'll lose it in about six episodes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so far, all of them have been winners in my book. Uh, I think though, that is going to end our discussion on, uh, season one, episode three, fight or flight. So I'm seeing in the comments that Rachel has, uh, seasons one through three, the intro is protect my city from alien life and anyone else that means to cause it harm. Okay. And season four, it's protect this planet. I call my home from anyone that means to cause it harm. Okay. And so it doesn't says, even have to be aliens there. Thank you. TV tropes recap page. <laughs> so yeah. So it, it broadens substantially in season four. So that's, that's how in season four, just, Anyone, so Just that anyone, that, yeah. So that could that could uh, make way for uh, Agent Liberty. I I wonder if they rewrote that just so that they could be like. It's it's fine. Didn't you listen to the opening narration? This is why it's okay for them to go after Agent Liberty. It says she's, it right there at the beginning. She says right in the opening narration that it's anyone. <laughs> it's, it could be anyone. Come on, it's anyone. anyone. <laughs> uh. Uh, so we have some listener feedback. So Daryl wrote in to share some thoughts on both Stronger Together and Fight or Flight. Uh, in response to Stronger Together, Daryl writes, Cara used heat vision right through her glasses to heat Kat's latte. The glasses should be melted. Uh, it's no surprise the entire DEO knows her identity. Jean was the first one to start saying her human name 
while she was in uniform. <laughs> uh, that seems like a real mistake on John's part, but I guess he just didn't care. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm a little confused about the kryptonite emitters. Alex punches Kara and then they turned and then they turned on. I'm not sure if Alex shouldn't have been hurt. Kara says only the DEO knows kryptonite can hurt her, but Superman's knows too, and he never told her. Bad move, Clark. Uh, and then season one, Superman is the worst. He tells Kara nothing. He just leaves her behind. Who knows? If Kara hadn't put on the suit, he might not have ever found his way back into her life. So Good some points. Harsh words for Superman there. Well, he did sort of just he kind did of pick kind her of up and then ditch her. He did kind of abandon her when she just, was a tween, but just, just like he did in the comics. So I don't think I don't think we let him off the hook for this. That's true. He's like, goodbye, little girl. <laughs> You're fine. You're with Helen Slater and Dean King. You'll be all right. Except for Dean King disappears at some point and never comes back. Don't don't look for him though. <laughs> Uh, and about fight or flight, Daryl writes, why doesn't Kara tell Alex that James already knew? It makes no sense. And I get tired of Alex giving Kara crap about how bad she is at keeping her secret. Also, it's just frustrating how Kara just word vomits every week. It's like they're portraying her as someone who is constantly on the verge of spilling every part of her life into the open. And I just see her as someone who has a better handle on things. I don't know. I like that she has to sort of struggle with it a little bit because she's she's new at it and she's trying to navigate what it means to be a superhero and how to handle the pressures and the criticism. I don't know. I kind of like that. I like it too. Yeah. This is all very new to her. She hasn't been doing this for very long. This is like the third episode. So it, it makes sense that she's not very good at hiding her secret yet. And she's kind of obvious, uh, which is why Cat Grant figures it out. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in my opinion, in episode, episode three. Um, so Daryl goes on to say, I've always been a little confused by Kara in this episode. In the last episode, she says there's no shame in asking for help, but this week she's acting with the opposite mindset. Uh, in, in terms of not calling Superman, I guess? I think so, yeah. Okay. I think she's, like, more trying to differentiate herself from Superman than she is, like, unwilling to ask for help because she does work with Wynn and James and Alex. Um, yeah to to take down ultimately to take down reactron uh it was you know her friends were involved in that she just she just wanted to do it without you know superman swooping in yeah um so daryl says um i'm glad john is no longer henshaw because i was getting tired of his attitude after just these first few episodes it's funny to hear henshaw say he can't risk exposing the deo and then the next season they move right into the heart of national city <laughs> <That's true. laughs> they're in that blade building which is uh basically a skyscraper in national city <laughs> deo <laughs> could we get the letters bigger <laughs> <laughs> uh daryl says i really fault reactron's plan in that he could have gone after lois if he really wanted to hurt superman i'm glad that somebody else thought about this as well it was like how close is he he just kind of dumped her off on some random strangers and then took off <laughs> and then nice job on the homeland reference since melissa and david were both on the show yeah, I'm going to have to check about that. I knew uh, David Harewood was on a Homeland, but I guess I've never seen uh, Melissa Benoist on Homeland. I, I was just about to say, wait, Melissa Benoist was on Homeland? So somebody somebody sent me a picture, a link to a video. I, I didn't watch Homeland, so I, I don't actually know, but this is very possible. Uh, so I'll definitely have to check that out. 
All right. Well, uh, it's uh, it's maybe time to make some snap judgments. And uh, we've invited some of our our snappy listeners and boardroom bosses uh, from the Supergirl Radio Patreon. Uh, so I think we have one uh, waiting in the wings. So we'll see if uh, Armguard is there. But before we do that, we need to... Uh, uh, make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. All right, let's see if we have one of our patrons uh, on at the ready. So, Armguard, are you there? Can you hear us? Yeah, I'm here. Long time, no snap judgment. I know, I know. <laughs> long time, long time. Well, uh, uh, Morgan, I guess uh, you want to get into some of these. And uh, live chat, if you want to, if you have any snap judgments for us, uh, drop them in the, the live chat, and uh, we will make them as we go. So uh, I guess let's get to the first one. I submitted a few. Uh, so nice, nice. Our first set of snap judgments are from a listener called Rebecca. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca asks, uh, what's worse, a super interviewing villain or being caught in a love triangle? That's a tough one, uh, Ermgard. Mm. Uh, what, what's, uh, what's worse for you, uh, a super interviewing villain or being caught in a love triangle? Um. Seeing as I've never been in a love triangle, uh, I would say a super interview in the world. <laughs> yeah, well, better for you. I'm, I, I don't <laughs> think being in a love triangle is a good thing that you want to be in. Uh, I'm going to say I, I think I would like a super interviewing villain. Uh, what, what, what would those powers be like? Uh, what would the, what would the super suit be like? Uh, would it come with a microphone, like a little Kermit the Frog reporter microphone? <laughs> would be the weapon? I think that's actually pretty great. So I can't say that's worse. So I think I would say being caught in a love triangle. That's a tough one. But I think I'm going to go with the the super interviewing villain. Oh. Because who knows, who knows what they could get out of me if they're just that good at interviewing? But, and, like, the love triangle, like, yeah, it's annoying. But also, isn't it kind of great for your ego? Uh, <laughs> Two people want to be with you. Wouldn't it kind of turn you? It would kind of turn me into a monster a little bit, I think. I'd be like, excuse me. Um, so too good for my ego. So I'm going to go with the super interviewing villain who could just take me down to size, I think, a little bit. I think that should be a, a Supergirl Radio Patreon exclusive is uh, we, we super uh, interview villain each other. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get ask gotcha questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll test that out. I think sometime in the future. Amazing. Okay, what does Maxwell Lord love more? Blue streaks on trains or Dr Pepper? He does request a Dr Pepper mm. from Reactron. So Ermgar, what do you, what do you what do you say there? Uh, blue streaks on his uh, train. I think because he he loves that train. So and he, <laughs> he likes really blue. Apparently, just. Funny thing is, uh, Alex always tells Kyra, "Well, you always got to go with blue." So that's I'll true. The blue. Yeah, he does love that train. He's going to be working on that train for a while in this first <laughs> season. <laughs> so, uh, I think. Um, I mean, I know he likes the, the blue streaks. He's very adamant on the blue streaks. But when you're when you're kidnapped, and you need comfort food or something to comfort you and make you comfort, feel like comfort you're drink. Yeah. I think he chose Dr. Pepper because that's his, his uh, comfort 
you know, uh, comfort drink. So I'm going to say Dr. Pepper. I'm also going to go with Dr. Pepper because I feel like for all we know, he runs on Dr. Pepper. Maybe <laughs> all of his best inventions were made in a Dr. Pepper haze. Just <laughs> <laughs> hopped up on sugar and caffeine. <laughs> I wonder if they got any product placement for that because they never showed it. They, just they never showed it. They just mentioned it. Uh, okay, uh, last snap judgment from Rebecca, <laughs> our loyal listener. Uh, <laughs> which article would you rather read? I'll buckle in. These are long titles, or at least one of them is. Um, <clears throat> Ladies in power, women who won't back down, battering the glass ceiling. Now, there are <laughs> multiple dot dots in the middle of that, that title. That's just one. So, um, lady, ladies in power. Fifty, yes. 50, 50 ladies in power is the first one. Who won't back down. They're shattering <laughs> the platform. Or find your balance. Make your investments work for you. Yeah, so these are two of the article headlines on the CatCo magazine. I paused it too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Ermgard, are you? would you prefer to read about uh, 50 ladies in power or about uh, making your investments work? I think I would oh. say investments because as I would be living in National City and, you know, we have a lot of aliens showing up and stuff, you might want to figure out what you need to invest in because, you know, I mean, something, you know, some might get blown up of yours or something like that. <laughs> So that's true. I'll go with gonna, the investment. That's a wise choice. A lot of national real real estate uh, is in uh, trouble uh, quite a bit. <laughs> so I think yeah. uh, having investments would be smart. I have to assume that real estate investment is not smart in national. <laughs> no, not that kind of investment. No. <laughs> I want to know who the fifty ladies in power are, who are shattering they, the glass ceiling. Glass ceiling. They are. So I think I would sure go with that. Shattering that ceiling because they won't back down. <laughs> I, just, I just love how long this title is. <laughs> there are two colons in this title. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> um, I'm also going to go with uh, making my investments work for me because you know what? A little a little financial literacy has never hurt anyone. I think. I think whatever uh, recommendations Cat Grant or Cat Co is going to give me are going to be good. So yeah, yeah, I want to know. I mean, she did build a media empire, so she did. She probably knows what she's talking about. Um, okay, so our other snap judgment uh, from Kanisha is: What was more confusing, post-crisis history of the show or the totem rules? So, uh, Ermgard, what confused you more? Post-crisis history or the totem rules? <laughs> Hold on. Because I, uh, I want to say both, but... Uh, <laughs> you got to pick one. Uh, yeah, no. Um, the, the totem... No? <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> this one's a real puzzler. <laughs> no you got to think about it. Um, I mean, uh, post-crisis, they just, you know, after that, they just did whatever the heck. You know, forget about, you know, all kinds of stuff. But then the totems was really, it, it was like from one episode to, to the other. You didn't know what the heck you, you got with those. So I'm going to go with the post-crisis because it affected pretty much all the shows. Flash, Legends, Supergirl. I go with post-crisis. That's a good point. That's a good distinction about... uh 
uh, how the totem rules changed from episode to episode and then sometimes scene by scene, dialogue by dialogue. <laughs> um, so I, that's the, I, I almost was going to say post-crisis history, but when Ermgard mentioned that, I was like, that's definitely for me worse because it was very frustrating to be able to follow. At least with like the post-crisis history, you knew kind of at the get-go, like everything was uh, terrible now and nobody knows anything. <laughs> and then you could just kind of settle in and just embrace that everything is different and for no un unknown reason now. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with totem rules. I'm going to go for the totem rules as well because I feel like we were following oh, yeah. that season really closely and yet I still had no clue what the rules were. Yeah, they changed episode by episode, scene by scene, moment by moment, in scene <laughs> sometimes. Just whatever anyone was feeling at that moment, that was the totem rule. And uh, <laughs> I, I, ne I never watched a show so closely that I could not tell you, like, what was happening on it. I was like, <laughs> is this me? Am I... <laughs> Is it just me? Uh, so, yeah, the totem rolls made me feel like I was losing my mind. Yeah, I uh, I think that is uh, the definitely the difference maker for me is just feeling completely, completely confused. <laughs> no judgments on your snap judgments. All right, Armgard, we're going to let you go, but thanks for uh, coming on and making some snap judgments with us and uh, for su supporting Supergirl Radio through the Patreon. You're welcome. Y'all have a good night. All right. Take care. Thank you. All right. All right. So lots of fun. We'll try to have some uh, patrons on here making some snap judgments with us as we go through uh, Supergirl Radio Rewind, uh, because in season one, we did not have snap judgments. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we oh. did not have snap judgments until Snapper Car came along in season two. So we're really br we're really bringing it all back. <laughs> so we're giving you a different experience of season one. <laughs> uh, yes, actually, uh, very much so. Uh, so that's a, a new element that we're bringing to these uh, these old episodes. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this uh, episode of a Supergirl Radio Rewind. So I think we now need to get to some Supergirl Radio and some DCTV podcast plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you are in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Titans, Doom Patrol, Batwoman, 
Stargirl, Superman and Lois, and the upcoming Green Lantern, Justice League Dark, and Strange Adventure shows, and DC TV After Dark. You can subscribe to the DC TV Podcast Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts. Follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter, and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook, or else. This has been a message from Hope, inhabiting the Flash Vessel, also known as New Rachel. And since Superman appears in Fight or Flight, we have some Superman-related designs in the DC TV podcast T-Public Store. Yeah, so we have the aerodynamics of a superhero, which shows Superman and some of uh, his abilities there. And we also have uh, Hope in Kryptonese, if you would like to check that out. So definitely go check out the DC TV podcast T Public Store if you're looking for new merch. And uh, we have some Super Radio designs in there if you're interested in that as well. So not just all Superman. We have Super Radio stuff in there as well. And we would also like to thank our Legion of uh, Super Sponsors, which Armguard uh, is a part of, and that's why she was able to make snap judgments with us on the live stream. Uh, but we'd like to thank our Legion of Super Sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Sam, Anne Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Nicola, Leslie, Abby, Armgard, Miriam, Nicole, Lizeth, Faith, Brian, and Ethan. We have a four monthly level. So if you'd like to check that out and uh, see if you would like to become a Legion of Super, uh, Legion of Super Sponsor. Uh, yes, a Legion of Super Sponsor. That's right. That Why does that sound weird now <laughs> that I'm saying it? Uh, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash supergirlradio and check that out and just uh uh verify me on that legion of super sponsor yes that is correct so you know sometimes when you like say something or you read something and then you say it and you're like why does that sound weird as i you just... say it too much and it, then it means nothing to you yeah. <laughs> it like loses all meaning i think that's what just happened to me live on air uh is it just lost all meaning for me as i was saying it uh well if you want to keep in touch with me you can check me out on a social media platform known as vero uh where i am at derby kid over there you can check out some of the things i'm reading or watching uh if you uh followed me there you would know that i recently watched the hbo max documentary series called the way down which is about uh something that morgan and i both uh, (laughs) love to learn about which is cults uh, so it's another cult documentary that I watched, uh, and I definitely hope that uh, Morgan is going to watch it so that we can talk about it. I'm so uh, excited, <laughs> but it is it is a wild ride. Only five episodes though, but you would know nice. that I you would know that I was watching it if you uh, follow me on Vero at Derby Kid over there. I'm also on Instagram at the the Derby Kid. I like to take some nature photography. Uh, every now and then so you can check that out there and i'm also on uh youtube where i have a a personal youtube channel where i uh do live streams analyzing the batman v superman dawn of justice reviews from the top critics of rotten tomatoes you can find that over youtube.com slash duck milk prod if you're interested in that trying to do them at sundays at 9 p.m eastern so if, if you're interested in learning or discussing learning about or discussing uh, film criticism or art criticism. Uh, We have a lot of those conversations over there. Uh, And I say we because I have people join me every week and we chat about those things from the live chat. So it's a very interactive experience, just like with Supergirl Radio. So if you're interested in that, uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. 
Nice. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where we were inspired by the Supergirl radio call-in show that we had, where we were originally supposed to be celebrating her birthday, and then it (laughs) turned into a live grief session. Uh, So we are doing something similar for the Legends of Tomorrow, because we just found out that our show got canceled. And so we are still processing. We are still going through those stages of grief. Uh, so if you'd like to come and, uh, you know, feel betrayed or angry with us <laughs> or start bargaining with the CW or any other network, um, check out our, our Twitter uh, at legends underscore podcast. And you'll see all the details to uh, join our call in show. And we're going to have people come in and talk to, with us for a couple of minutes. Um, so it should be fun. That's going to be this Thursday. Uh, which is a date that is uh, May 12th <laughs> at, <laughs> at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. So definitely, if you're a fan of Legend, if you're still upset about the cancellation, if you just want to talk to us, uh, stop by the live show. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm just I'm just using this hypothetically. Like if somebody couldn't join until like an hour in, is that still... Oh, yeah, I think, we'll, I think we'll still be going. Oh, I think okay. we'll still be going. I think it'll probably go a little bit over an hour. So oh, okay. if somebody wanted to stop by and say hello, if somebody did want to do that and it was like, you know, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, okay. they should they should definitely feel free to stop by, whoever this is. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just thinking that maybe somebody like would come in late, but maybe they don't have a lot to say because – Maybe they didn't actually watch the show, but maybe they could, you know, uh, just say hi or. Oh, we would love that. Yeah, we would love that. (laughs) Okay. So just in case (laughs) there are other people out there uh, (laughs) who who may have those issues. uh, I just wanted to to clarify for anyone who uh, specifically or hypothetically would meet that criteria of that <laughs> specific situation. Uh, so very cool. I'm at least glad that the Supergirl Radio Colin show on Supergirl's birthday, actually, uh, there's a positive that maybe came out of that. It was an inspiration for another podcast. I mean, and you did have that cupcake, so. <laughs> I did. I mean, that was a positive for me. <laughs> the world uh, cupcake. <laughs> You're like. maybe i'll get some cupcakes for a thursday and just use it as an excuse to throw back (laughs) not not that i'm back thursday not not that i'm going to be uh, a caller on the the live stream but for other for other people who might join the call-in show they may want to get cupcakes they might want to get a cupcake for the the call-in show too we recommend them (laughs) i really hope she get through it i think uh uh uh, speaking from personal experience (laughs) all right well that's going to do it for this episode of supergirl radio but until next time i'm still rebecca johnson and i'm still morgan glennon and even though cat grant found him distracting we hope that dave is having a great day I almost wanted to have you say, and the Daily Planet can suck it. But then I thought <laughs> that might be inappropriate. Just Cat a Grant, little aggressive. Cat, Cat Grant does say that in the episode. And I thought that so might good. be a really funny way to end the episode. But I don't know. That seems m- mildly inappropriate. Maybe the Daily Planet can suck it. The Daily Planet can definitely suck it. <laughs> McGurk! I love not typing. Not messing with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean...
They say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? she looks like a boss in this house. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio.